parable of Jesus. Matthew 21, chapter 28, it says, but, when you, what, but what do you think? A man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in the vineyard. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he regretted it and went. The man came to the second and said the same thing. And he answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, the first. Jesus answered them, truly, I say to you that the tax collector and the prostitute will get into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But tax collectors and prostitutes did believe him, and you see this. Did you not even feel remorse afterward so as to believe in him? Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word, which is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. I thank you for the anointing of the Spirit to preach the word, and I ask that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God. And I ask now that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation, that they might receive the word as seed sown into the fertile soil of their hearts. We ask that in Jesus' name, and the church said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. <coughs> I want to share this parable with you, and then speak to you from uh, this parable regarding the opportunities that God gives to us as believers. This morning we read about a father who had two sons, and this parable is so common in its nature that it could be applied and possibly could happen in any household at Kingsway Church, any family. It's a very human parable. It's a parable about a man who has two sons, and he invites both of them to go and work with him in the vineyard. We'll see in this parable how one of them says yes, and the other says no. And I want to ask you this morning, if you will give God your commitment, your obedience, because the great question that Jesus asks is, which of these did the will of God? Which of these did the will of the Father? The question before us this morning is whether or not we will do the will of the Father, whether we will live a life in, in a desire and ambition to be pleasing to God. All of us in here, without a doubt, want God to say yes to us. How many of you like it when God says yes? When we pray, we like to hear God say yes. If I say, Lord, I'm sick, I want to hear him say, yes, I'm going to heal you. When you ask God to provide a financial need in your life, you want to hear him say, yes, I'm going to provide. And when you and I uh, need uh, a new car, a new house, or we need a, a new suit of clothes, we ask God for these things, or maybe You've asked God for a wife or a husband, or maybe you've asked God for children, or maybe you've asked God for a promotion at work. Maybe you asked God for a home church, and we all want to and love to hear the yes of God, the affirmative answer of God that says, yes, I'm going to give you what you have asked for. And we have the Bible to affirm to us that God does give us and will give us his yes. The Bible says the Apostle Paul writing that as many as are the promises of God, they are yes and amen in him. And so as many, that means all of the promises of God in the Bible have God's yes and God's amen. 
In fact, if you study it out, some scholars say there's about 3,000 promises in the Bible. Others, as many as 8,000 promises in the Bible. And every one of these promises carries the yes and the amen of God toward the believer. How many of you believe that? How many of you believe the promises of God are yours? And so what God is looking for is that you and I would believe him. That you and I would say amen to him. That you and I would affirm his word and his will in our life. So we want to hear the yes of God. But this morning, God wants to hear your yes and your amen. This morning, God wants to hear you say yes to him. And give him the commitment of your life. And the commitment of your lifestyle. That you and I would be pleasing to him. The Apostle Paul said, it is my ambition to be pleasing to the Lord. What a holy and honest and noble ambition it is for man to say my desire, my ambition is to please God, to be pleasing to Him in every respect. And this is possible, friends, as you and I walk with God in the power of the Spirit. So this morning, God gives you and I an opportunity just as He gave uh, in this parable to these two sons. There's a father in the parable and he comes to the first son. And he says, son, come and work with me in the vineyard. What is this vineyard? Well, if you study the Bible, you'll see that, first of all, the vineyard represents ancient Israel. God said to the nation of Israel, I found you like a plot of ground that had been neglected, a place that had been abandoned, the walls torn down. And I came in and I restored that place. I rebuilt the walls and I, I uh, cultivated the soil and I brought the plow and I tore up the hard places and the stones and the thorns. I pulled out the weeds and I made you a cultivated garden, a place of excellence, a place of fruitfulness. And he says, I planted within you a vine and a vineyard. And God was telling the nation of Israel, I brought you out of ruin and destruction, out of despair and neglect. I made you fruitful again. Friends, this is the story of every man or every woman that will give their life to Jesus. God will come into the neglected life. God will come into the destroyed life. God will come into the broken life. The life that is full of thorns and weeds. Full of the shame and abuse of the past. He'll come into a life full of the neglect of this world. And he will take the plow of the word of God. And the plow of God's word will break up the hardness of our hearts. It breaks up the hardness and the stony ground of our hearts. It brings up the weeds and the, the roots of old ways of thinking and old habits and old systems. And God cleans out our life as we walk with him. And as he purifies our life by the power of the spirit and the word of God, bringing a renewed nutrient to the soil of our heart, then he plants a vineyard. And he makes us fruitful. And he makes us worthy. And he makes us a cultivated place. The Bible says that you will be a well-watered garden. That you will be a cultivated field. This is God's promise to every man, woman, and child that will put faith in Jesus. And if you put faith in Jesus, friend, I know this is your testimony this morning. I know you can look back over your life and see that your ruin 
has been restored. That your brokenness has been healed. That your neglect has been, has been turned into acceptance with God. That your sense of abandonment and, and lack of love has been filled with the grace and mercy and love of an almighty God. This is the glorious story of God for the nation of Israel and for you and I this morning. This vineyard represents the church. It represents this beautiful body of Christ in the world. The vineyard represents the church as this fruit-bearing vineyard that has been planted by God to bear fruit in the world. And this church, the Bible talks about in the book of Genesis, will have a vine that reaches over the wall. He's planted this vineyard called the church such, with such a potency and power that the vine goes beyond the walls. It goes beyond the, the boundaries of, of culture. It goes beyond the boundaries of finance. It goes beyond the boundaries of education. And the vine of the gospel, the vine of the church has grown from one nation to the next to the next. And it grows among the poor and among the rich. It grows among the prosperous and those who are in poverty. It, it, it grows among those who are ignorant and those who are wise and educated. And this vine, the church, is God's precious, precious treasure and precious possession. I don't know if you realize this or not, but God loves the church. God loves the church and he sent, he sent Jesus to bring for himself a bride out of this broken world. A church restored and made new. A cultivated garden. This vine also represents the lost. The Bible says the Lord speaking. He said the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few. Therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest that he might send laborers into the vineyard. This week you and I are going to go into the parks of Beville. We're going to go into that vineyard where the souls are waiting to be captured and cultivated for the glory of God. And what a thrill it is to be a part of what God loves. God loves souls. God does not love churches, church buildings, church pews. God does not love uh, pipe organs and, and fancy new things. God loves people. God loves souls. God loves you, friend. He loves you with an everlasting love. He loves you beyond your ability to understand or my ability to describe. The Bible said that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. This is the love of God demonstrated to us on the cross that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And the Bible says that God has drawn us to himself with his love. He has drawn us to himself with his affection and his compassion. God loves this vineyard. God loves the lost. He loves souls. I serve as the president of the Bethel Seminary. This uh, seminary began about 12 years ago, but actually it began about 14 years ago. When as a young man, I began to read this verse out of the Bible that said the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And I would, I would go into prayer, and the Lord would burden my heart with that text. And as a 23, 24, 25-year-old young man, I would pray for hours at a time and weep with my face soaked in tears and cry out to God 
saying, God, send laborers into the vineyard. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Raise up men and women to preach the word. Raise up men and women to, to uh, go to the nations. And then I would finish praying, and I would be mad. And I will say, God, why have you given me this burden? This is not my problem. This is not my responsibility. I'm not the president of the denomination. I'm not one of the trustees. Put the burden on them. But he had put it on me. And so I prayed and prayed in tears. And finally, this school was born that today has seen hundreds of people prepared for ministry. And we'll see many more hundreds prepared for ministry, not only in this region, but around the nation and around the world. Why? Because God loves the lost. And he will stop at nothing to save the lost. He will stop at nothing to reach the lost. And so if he needs to give a burden to a young man who will bear that burden, then he will. This year I received an office and a position in our, in our uh, organization of churches, which was given to me in prayer those 13 or 14 years ago when I received that burden from God. And that burden is still as real in my heart, and I pray it be real in your heart this morning. The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. Who is it that's dying without hope and without God? Is it some stranger on the street? No, it's your sons, your daughters, it's your cousins and your aunts and your uncles, it's your nephews, it's your neighbor, it's your co-worker. Will you weep for them? Will you desire God's salvation and grace for their life? Will you pray until something changes in their life? The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. This morning, God comes to you and I like he came to those two sons. In this parable. And he says to the first son. Son. Come work in the vineyard with me today. Listen to the extraordinary nature of this opportunity. Come work with me in the vineyard today. Come and share in what I love. Come and share in what I cherish. Come and be part of cultivating the church. Come and be part of winning the lost. Come and be part of this great cause. The son said to his father, no. Now we have to ask two questions here. First of all, why did the father invite his son? I believe the father invited his son possibly for many reasons. But most of all, I think he wanted him to learn to love what he loved. He wanted him to learn to care for what he cared for. For his heart to beat. For what his heart beat for. And so he was inviting him to come and spend time with him in the vineyard. Today God is calling to you. He's saying to you, come, spend time with me. Come learn my heart. Come learn my character. Come learn my ways. Come and hear my heartbeat. Come and see how I love. How I forgive. Because when you see how I love, you'll love. When you see how I forgive, you'll forgive. When you see my grace, you'll be gracious. When you see my compassion, you will show compassion. He gives his son an opportunity to join him in the work, to join him in the vineyard, to come and be a part of what he loves. And friends, this opportunity is yours and mine this morning. 
But God, I tell you, the vineyard is greater still because the vineyard is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. He's saying to his son, come and learn of me. And today God is saying to you and I, come and learn of Jesus. Come and learn of the true vine. Come and learn of this one who saves, this one who heals, this one who delivers, this one who changes, this one who is able to take a broken life and make it whole again, this one who is the holy son of the living God, this one who existed before time, this one who created the heavens and the earth by the power of his voice, this one who is the eternal pre-existing second person of the Godhead in bodily form, come to know Jesus. Come and serve in this vineyard. And he said, no. Why did he say no? Maybe he said no because he had been disappointed before. Maybe he said no because he had tried this before and failed. Some people think that because they tried religion or because they tried Jesus, quote unquote, that they, and it didn't work for them, that there's no longer uh, any reason to go toward Christ again. Friend, what failed was not Christ. Christ will never fail. And so he, he may have said, well, no, it failed before. No, Christ didn't fail. You failed. You fell. You stumbled. But friend, he doesn't reject you if you failed. He doesn't reject you if you stumbled. Get up, dust your feet off, and run toward Jesus. He is the hope of your life. He is the hope of your salvation. And he is the one who draws and cause you by his grace. Maybe he said no. Because he knew that there would be little reward in the natural sense. Many people say no to God's call to ministry. And to God's call to witness. Because they think what's in it for me. It, it, the reward is too, too little. Too late. And friends. Peter even said to Jesus. He said Lord. What about us? What do we get? We left everything. Our houses, our, our jobs, our families, we left it all behind to come and follow you. And Jesus said, Peter, no one, listen friends, no one who leaves behind father and mother and houses and land will not receive a hundred times more in this life and in the life to come. What am I telling you? That when you say yes to serving God, when you say yes to being a part of God's work in the world, God is the best pay you will ever find. He is the greatest accountant you will ever know. And his reward is great. Come on, somebody. And he is able to supply and to meet abundantly every one of the needs and desires of our life. I have found this to be true in my life. I have seen God be faithful to me. I have seen God not only meet my needs, but exceed my expectations. I have seen God bless me. And listen, friends, I have served the Lord when I did not have a guaranteed paycheck, and I have served the Lord when I have been in abundance. And I know God's faithfulness is going to be the same to you in every season of your life. If you will say yes to him, if you will join him in the vineyard, he will not waste your time and he will not abandon you and he will not neglect you, but he will meet your needs. Come on, somebody. And he will supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And I can tell you that because I've walked through that. I've walked through in my ministry days when I didn't know how I was going to keep the lights on in my house 
or how I was going to eat my next meal. And yet I never once had any problem meeting my needs. God supplied every one of my needs as I went to work for him, as I went to serve the Lord, as I put myself into his vineyard. And you, you will find the same is true for you, friend. He won't treat Pastor Isaac any better than he treats you because he doesn't love me any more than he loves you. And he won't bless me any more than he's blessed you. His blessing is for all and to all. Maybe the son said no because he doubted his father's goodness. Friend, don't doubt the goodness of God this morning. Join him in the vineyard. His son said no. But later, later he came to his senses. Later he thought about it and he said, wait a minute. My dad has invited me to work with him. My dad has given me an opportunity to serve. He's given me an opportunity to get involved, an opportunity to sow, an opportunity to be a part of what he is doing. The Bible said he repented and he went to work. Friend, can I just tell you how excited I am this morning about the fact that God allows us to repent? The fact that God allows us to change our mind and say, Lord, I blew it. I messed up, but I'm headed back toward you. Come on, somebody, because that's all of our story. That's all of us. All of us need that opportunity to say, God, I messed up. I sinned. I, 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 I left the opportunity. I abandoned the opportunity, but I want to say yes to you. I want to obey you. I want to do your will. When can you do that, preacher? Do it when he calls you, friend. The Bible says today if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. This is the day. If you're hearing God calling you today and you hear him saying, come to me today, don't say I'll do it next week. I'll do it next month. No, do it today. Today is a day of repentance. Now is the acceptable time. Today is a day to turn back and to do the thing that God has called your heart to do, to come in repentance before Christ. Friend, those of you who are members of the body of Christ who said no to God's calling and God's gift in your life. You've said no to serving the Lord. You've abandoned your opportunities with God because of trouble at home, because of trouble in your job, because of trouble in your mind. Friend, today, God's waiting to hear your yes, to say, yes, Lord, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to put my gifts at your disposal. I want to honor you with my time. Because, friends, if you wait for your whole life to line up to serve God, you're never going to serve God. If you say, I'll serve the Lord when everything's going great, you're never going to serve the Lord. Life is life. Adversity is adversity. So if you're going to serve him, serve him now. If you're going to preach, preach now. If you're going to witness, witness now. If you're going to love somebody, love them now. Come on, somebody. This is the day. This is the hour. This is the opportunity. And if you have a call from God and a gift, and you have an opportunity to serve, don't throw that away just because of some adversity, just because somebody didn't shake your hand at church or because somebody didn't smile at you or pat you on the back. Listen, friends, when you give up what God has given you to do easily, you're, you will regret it later. You will regret it later. Sometimes we think, oh, if I don't do it, nobody will. 
Listen, friends, if I go up in pride and say, if I don't pastor that church, nobody can pastor that church. By the next Sunday, God will have a better preacher in this pulpit than I ever was. And you will forget all about me because God doesn't have a problem filling our spot. God is just giving us an opportunity to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Ah, use me, Lord. I want to be a part of what you're doing, Lord. And when you and I make ourselves available to him, however, however unskilled we are, however limited we are God will take our little and make it much God will take our not enough and make it more than enough come on Kingsway I'm talking about the power of God in your life and in your life for the glory of his name the first son said no but later he said yes then the second son he said yes he was that guy that doesn't know how to say no very quiet in here this morning. Any of you have a problem saying no? It's not an altar call. I'm just, I'm just asking. Will you mow my lawn? Sure. Will you do my windows? Yes. Will you go pick me up some tacos? Sure. You have a problem saying no? Will you go to the Christmas pageant? Yes. Will you take my car to Get the old change. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. They can never say no because they think if they ever say no, the world's going to stop and the, their friends will leave them. And they might, but that's okay. They're not really your friends. This, this guy said, yes, yes, I'll be there. He even says, yes, sir. He was the kind of person, the kind of believer that's, that wants and desires to be useful to God, but doesn't have any commitment. Doesn't have a long obedience in the same direction. It's a temporal thing. And so he said yes, but something came up that day and he decided no. He said yes, but maybe he looked outside and said, it looks like it might rain next October. But yeah, it might rain, so I'm not going to go outside right now. He said yes, but then maybe he got a phone call and was invited to go have lunch or, or breakfast with a friend. And so he left his commitment aside. He said no with his actions. He said no with his life. Friends, it's not enough to say yes to God with our mouth, with our lips. It is important, it's necessary that you and I serve him with our life. That you and I serve him with our actions. That our mouth says yes, but so do our hands, so do our feet, so does our life. That when we commit to serving God, it's not just for the good times. It's not just for when it, when it makes sense. It's not just for when I have time. It's not just for when it's, a, uh, it's convenient. But when you and I commit to serving God and living for God, that we're going to do it whether it's raining or whether it is shining, whether there is cold or heat. Whether there is good times or bad times, whether there is adversity or whether there is support, that we are going to serve the Lord, that we are going to go through with it and follow through until the end. God is looking for someone this morning that says, God, I am in it with you through thick and thin, and I will follow you all of the days of my life. That life, friend. That person who will do that has no idea how much God 
will release into their life. God will release so much into your life if you will commit wholeheartedly to him. If you will sell out completely to him. If you will say, God, I'm all yours. When I was about nine years old, I was praying one day and I said, Lord, I hear people say that when their mama got sick, that uh, they're going to serve you. I said, well, I'm going to take all that off the table right now. And everything I am for the rest of my life is yours. I don't know what if, if I knew what I was talking about or not when I was nine years old. But I understood something, that God wanted all of me, not just in a fix, not just in a pinch, not just in a crisis, but all of me. And God wants all of you. Friend, when you give God your all, you will find God's all. You will find God's open hand. You will find God's yes extended to you. You will see God's mercy in ways you didn't even expect. Today he's given you an opportunity to come into the vineyard, to work beside him, to love what he loves, to cherish what he cherishes, to say yes to him. We must say yes, first of all, to his will. To God's will, we must say yes. Where is God's will, preacher? God's will is in his word. And so we must say yes to living a life according to the word of God. Psalm 40, verse 8 says, I delight to do your will, O God. Yes, your law is within my heart. In Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 19, it says, If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. If you want God's yes, give God's yes, give God your yes. Say yes to his will. His will is in his word. When you read the word of God, you are reading the will of God. If you say this morning, what is God's will for my life? Go and read the word of God and you will find the will of God expressly and clearly in the word. And when you want to know how does God feel about gender, read the word. When you want to know how does God feel about marriage, read the word. When you want to hear or read about what does God think about homosexuality, read the word. When you want to know what does God think about my money, read the word. When you want to know what does God think about the job that I'm about to do, read the word. If you want to know what does God think about the choices I'm making for education, go to the word. God's word is God's will. And listen, church, America's problem today, the reason America is in the slump it's in, the reason that America has gotten out of the will of God. And there's no doubt that America has left the will of God. But listen, friend, this is why. Because we have abandoned the word of God. We have abandoned the word of God as a nation. And we have abandoned the word of God in the church. We need to get back to the word of God. We need to get back to the Bible. Because that is where the blessing begins. That is where the will of God is revealed. And when you and I commit to living life according to the will of God, we find God's blessing there. We find God's prosperity there. The will of God expressed in his word when it is accepted by a nation brings blessing to the nation. And when a family lives by the word, they live in the blessing of God. And when an individual life lives by the word, they live in the blessing of God. If you abandon the word, you abandon all hope, you abandon all promise, you abandon all blessing. But if you will hold on to the word, if you will hide it in your heart, you will find that it is your guide in the darkest of nights. It will be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. 
It will be the strength of your days. It will be your spiritual food. It will be your nourishment. It will be your defense against the devil. The word of God is the will of God. And if you want to do the will of God, get in his word. It's too quiet in here this morning. I guess I'm, I've got your attention right now. But let me just tell you, the Bible is the most important book in your life. And listen, most of us have more Bibles in our house than we know about. And you know, we have more Bibles in this generation than any generation before us. I bet if you count the Bibles in your house, you'll find you have five or six Bibles in there, maybe more. And you know what the problem is with our generation? We have more Bibles than ever before, but we read it less than we've ever read it before. Nobody said amen, but I'm going to say amen. Because you and I need the Word of God, not on our shelf. In our heart. We need it in our heart. God's word is your life. So you have to say yes to his will. And his will is in his word. Then number two, you have to say yes to his ways. God has his ways. How many of you have your ways? So modest this morning. All of you have your ways. Your wife said, let's go to Corpus. You take off. She said, why don't you go through 37? I don't like that way. I want to go through Simpton. Well, this, it's slower that way. I don't care. That's my way. And in some of you, hermanas, you like to make tortillas. You have your way of making them. Or your way of not making them, right? You have your way. You have your way of cleaning the house. You have your way of cleaning the garage. You have your way of getting to work. We all have our ways. As long as we're getting our way, we're generally pretty happy, right? And then if we don't get our way, the little flesh starts coming out there, and we start to see the true nature. The, 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 the fact is this. God has a way. God has ways that he wants to do things. And if you want his blessing in your life, you've got to do it his way. You've got to live his way and let him lead. Let him direct your life. The Bible says this, that most, that part of the nation of Israel, they knew God's works, but Moses knew his ways. Listen to the difference. The nation of Israel, the people of God, they saw God's works. They saw God's hand. They saw his power. They ate manna from heaven. They saw the pillar of cloud. And the pillar of fire. They saw the works of God. The miracles of God. They saw the blessing of God. But Moses said, you know what? If there's a blessing, I want to know the blesser. If there's a fire, I want to know the glory within the fire. If there is a presence, I want to know the, 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 the person, the essence of that presence. And he went beyond the works of God to the person of God. He went to understand not just the hand of God, but the face of God. He wanted to know his ways. And friend, when you and I make that decision, God, I don't just want to know your works. I want to know your ways. And you walk with him, you'll learn his ways. You walk with him, you'll hear him say, no, don't go that way. Don't do that. Don't say that. He will direct your life. He'll show you his ways. The Bible says this, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways. Listen, friend, we think on this level. God thinks way up here. Say amen, somebody. We think this far. God thinks that far. His ways are far above our ways. And his thoughts, far above our thoughts. And this morning, 
If you'll say yes to his will and yes to his ways, you'll see blessing in your life. You know, Abraham knew the will of God. God's will was simple. I'm going to give you a son, and your son will bless the nations. He knew God's will, but then he tried to do God's will his way. And he went and got mixed up with Hagar and produced Ishmael, which was not God's plan. It was not God's purpose. But because Abraham was trying to do God's will in Abraham's way, he failed. And you and I will fail any and every time we try to do God's will in our own way. It's got to be done his way. His way is better. His way is higher. His way brings glory into our life. Finally, you have to do God's will, God's way, in God's time. You have to say yes to God's time. You see, God has his ways, but he also has his times. He has seasons that he works and he operates. And he's spoken to us as a church. And he said, you are living in a miracle season. Listen, if you hear that, you need to go and start praying and fasting and, and praying in those miracles. Instead of saying, well, we'll see. Because you're living in a time, an appointed time. A window of an opportunity which God has given to you. And you and I must seize that opportunity and say yes, yes to God's time. Sometimes it seems like he takes too long. Sometimes it seems like we wait forever. Sometimes it seems like God is not at work at all. Friend, God's timing is perfect. Do you hear me? God's timing is perfect. You can trust his timing. He may not come when you want him. But when he comes, it will be the right time. Will you say yes to him? Yes to his will? Yes to his way? Yes to his time? If you'll do that, you'll find yourself in a vineyard bearing fruit and bringing glory to God. This morning, God's calling you because you're his son. You're his daughter. He says, come work with me in the vineyard. Come put aside your own concerns and work with me. And if you'll say yes to him and follow through with your yes, you'll see that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You'll find that the heart of God is greater and far beyond our finding out. Will you stand with me this morning? I want to invite you to this altar. Every person in here who will say, God, I'm committing my life to you, to your service, to your will, to your timing. I want to live my life the way you want me to live it. Would you come? If that's your commitment this morning, maybe it hasn't been up until right now, but this is the moment of decision. This is the moment to say yes Yes, I will come. I will work. I will serve. I will pursue you. Maybe you've gotten distracted. Maybe you said no. But today you hear the Father's voice. Your heart is repentant. Come on. Come to the heart of the Father. 
the harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are few. Therefore, come. You sons and daughters.